Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Yo, 50 years of hip-hop. 50 years of hip-hop from Listener Power, KEXP. Hey yo, Kiko. Welcome to 50 Years of Hip Hop. I'm Larry Mizell Jr. This week, we're going back to 1995 with the infamous single Shook Ones Part 2 by one of the most influential, impactful duos in hip hop, Mob Deep. Much like we did with our episode on Outcast, we're relying on one of KXP's iconic duos to tell the story. I'm talking about Martin Douglas and Dusty Henry, who are going to tag team to tell the story of Mob Deep's rise, the trust. They put in their own creativity and how their legacy is resounding today. You'll even hear me talking directly with Mob Deep later in the episode. For now, here's Martin to kick us off. You feel it from the second the needle drops. It's one of the most famed and recognizable rap songs ever produced. It was even the musical centerpiece of Eminem's loosely biographical film debut, Eight Mile. Of course, I'm talking about Mob Deep Shook Ones Part 2. It all started in a public housing apartment in the shadow of New York's Queensboro Bridge. They managed to stand out in a competitive rap scene in 1995, which included their Queensbridge house's neighbor Nas. The world is yours. The world is yours. Add to that, the fact that Mob Deep's debut album Juvenile Hell was middling at best, which led to Havoc and Prodigy being dropped from their record label. Shook One's Part 2 was a frightening state of purpose from two hungry, talented young men from a neighborhood under two constant threats, prison and the Grim Reaper Scepter. And when I say young men, I mean Havoc and Prodigy were both still teenagers when they were retrofitting soundscapes to their group's worldview and offering some of the most colorful threats ever recorded as teenagers. For Mob Deep to create one of rap's iconic singles, they had to embrace the bleakness of their surroundings. Before they were known as Prodigy and Havoc, Albert Johnson and Kawan Machida met at Manhattan's High School of Art and Design, the alma mater of Fab Five Freddy and Calvin Klein. Johnson's grandfather was the journeyman jazz player Bud Johnson, a multi-instrumentalist who played with Dizzy Gillespie, Billie Holiday, and Louis Armstrong. Oh, he also helped innovate bebop, the style of jazz that took the genre across the world. And there's a long-standing rumor that he taught Quincy Jones how to read music. No big deal. Meanwhile... Muchita's grandfather was Bill Dixon, a trumpet player best known as one of the giants of the free jazz movement. In an article for Vice, Johnson told journalist Jeff Weiss that he and Muchita met in Manhattan after school when someone took a switchblade and nearly sliced Muchita right through his leather Avarex jacket. 
the would-be assailant caught a beat down for his trouble. While they were still in high school, Johnson and Muchita formed a group called Poetical Prophets, adopting a socially aware style that would still appear sporadically in their later career. They took their demo to the offices of various labels. As artists walked out of the building, they asked them to take a listen. The only artist who took them up on their offer was a Tribe Called Quest MC producer Q-Tip, who would introduce them to then-fledgling rap executive Chris Lighty. Bear in mind, Poetical Prophets were still in high school when they were featured in the source's king-making column, Unsigned Hype. It's the same column that kick-started the careers of Biggie Smalls, Common, DMX, and Eminem, just to name a few. Poetical prophets were praised for their hardcore-leaning style despite their age. Soon, Johnson and Machita started going by Prodigy and Havoc, and they changed their name from Poetical Prophets to Mob Deep. You'd think their career would be off to the races at that point. Let's kick it over to Dusty. In 1992, the newly minted Mob Deep signed with 4th and B-Way Records, a subsidiary of the legendary Island Records. They quickly got to work on their debut album, Juvenile Hell, which came out in 1993. Capitalizing on their hype, the label brought in hip-hop heavy hitters to elevate the group. For example, DJ Premier produced the lead single, Peer Pressure. Every day I Wu Tang's own Method Man co produced the group's other single, Hit It From the Back. Even with all the hype and assembling producers so powerful, they might as well have been the Avengers of hip hop. The album bombed. It never made it on the Billboard charts, and the label quickly dropped Mob Deep. It was a major setback for the duo. But instead of letting Juvenile Hell's commercial failure define them, Havoc and Prodigy went right back to work. Bear in mind, these guys are still teenagers, so they still had room to grow. This mindset laid the groundwork for their landmark second album, The Infamous. During an in-studio performance at KEXP in 2014, our own Larry Mizell Jr. talked with Havoc and Prodigy about their DIY approach in this new era. And Havoc, I wanted to ask you, yeah. because with Juvenile Hell, you had Extra P, uh-huh. you had DJ Premier. On, on the infamous, it was just you and a couple joints from Q-Tip. But right. What what made you guys decide like, okay, we're just gonna keep it right here at home and 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 nail it. I mean, because when you think about it, like Pete said, we just came off the hills of juvenile hell. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we had to do a little assessment. So I mean, pretty much the mind frame was like, man, we don't need all of that. You know what I'm saying? We good with what we do. You know, and uh, we know what we want, and nobody could give us what we want better than us. So, you know, I just took the helm and we just added, you know, Q-Tip to, you know, help along. And uh, we just made the album. You know, it's ill. In the beginning, we couldn't afford, like, to pay for producers. Yeah. You know what I mean? We didn't really have no budget to pay for producers and whatnot. The people that we wanted to work with. Yeah. So it kind of forced us into a corner. Definitely. And made us produce our own music. You know what I mean? And have... 
right just really took a hold of the production side forever wow from the cradle to the grave kid watch it back one time's coming always yeah. they locked me up for 12 days i can't comprehend now i'm a free man on the streets again during this creative reset, Mob Deep was approached by Loud Records, the label that put out Wu-Tang's landmark first single, Protect Your Neck. With Q-Tip continuing to champion them, the band signed to the label and kept writing. In 1994, they released a new single. Well, it was really more of a statement. Shook Ones Part 1 was a means to reintroduce the world to the same old Mob Deep, but this time with a new sound. Darker and grittier, leaner and meaner, the infamous landed big time in 1995. They felt like an entirely new group. Critics and audiences immediately loved it. The Source, the same magazine that featured them when they were in high school, gave the record four and a half mics, about as close as you can get to a perfect score. The album peaked at 15 on the Billboard 200 and would be certified gold. I gave you fair warning, beware of killer kids who don't care. Unaware for who be dealt with in time, it ain't a mystery. The album is packed with tracks all deserving of praise. But there's no denying the impact of one song in particular. Shook Ones Part 2. Here's Martin. To properly convey the nihilism of Shook Ones Part 2 and Mob Deep's breakthrough second album, The Infamous you have to look at the actual music tracks. To craft a sound, Mob Deep would become, ahem, infamous for <laughs> Havoc leaned heavily on the minor key. That more depressing tone helps give the impression that the sun rarely rose over Queensbridge, if ever. It's worthy of note that the original version of Shook Ones didn't make the final cut of the infamous original release. Over the years, Havoc has alluded to the fact that he liked the original Shook One's beat, and Part 2 was almost deleted before even making it to the vocal tracking stage. You know you've got your hands on an historic piece of music when rumors start cropping up about how you made it. The sound that opened Shook One's Part 2, the flick, 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 before the drums kick in earnest, was rumored for years, decades even, to be the sound of a public housing gas stove, one of those old rickety joints, likely from the 70s. The tale grew so much that, in 2020, Havoc had to come clean and admit it was a hi-hat he sampled for the song's drum programming. Then there's the ominous, somewhat warped piano loop. Crate diggers had been trying to locate this eerie sample for years, and somehow it finally happened. Its original source was a three-second segment of Herbie Hancock's Jessica, most certainly not one of Hancock's better-known compositions. It's a testament to Havoc's artistry that even if you listen closely to the original version, it still remains a mystery how Havoc would have been able to turn this into this. When it comes to the actual rap, though, that's an entirely different conversation. Here's Larry again, talking with the group. Were you guys aware that you were kind of like raising the bar and like the hardcore as far as rap goes? I mean, you know, we was just in the studio really doing us. You yeah. know what I mean? We we knew that we was doing something special, but um, I, I, I kind of figured that we would have took it this far. Yeah. And, you know, that we because that's what we was in it for, for the longevity. Right. Yeah, definitely, man. We uh. When we made the infamous album, we had really 
started becoming serious about our craft, like in our career. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we were just coming off the heels of Juvenile Hell album that didn't do so well commercially. Yeah. You know, it didn't really sell that much. And it was heartbreaking for us. Yeah. Because wow. we, this is what we wanted to do with our life. So we just, you know, went back to the lab. Me and Hav was like, yo, listen, man, it's time to go. Wow. It's time to show these people yep. how serious we are about making music, yeah. lyrics, making beats. And yeah. we got to be here forever. This is our job. In 2002, The Source reappraised the infamous with a perfect five-mic score, saying, The album was a staple for all hard-headed delinquents coming up in the game. Beyond the album and the success of Shook One's Part 2, the group represented a mindset. They were proof to trust yourselves, your craft, and your art. Not in the industry machine that churns and burns artists to fit a mold. They also proved that it doesn't matter how young you start entering the rap game, if you have something to say... Just say it. Say it boldly. The group continued on for the next decade. While they briefly split in 2012, the group mainly kept to what they knew best, making music on their own terms and never sacrificing the quality. In 2014, they released their final album, The Infamous Mob Deep. They released it independently on Prodigy's own Infamous Records. Mom Deep has always felt unstoppable, but Prodigy was quietly fighting his own battle. In 2000, he revealed that he was diagnosed with sickle cell anemia, something he says that he used to feel his nihilism in his lyrics due to his, quote, permanent suffering. In June of 2017, on the Art of Rap tour in Las Vegas, Prodigy was admitted to the hospital due to complications from his disease. Days after, the hospital staff found him unresponsive. His cause of death was listed as accidental choking. He was only 42 years old. Whatever party's over, tell the rest of the crew. Yo, P. It was a devastating end to one of the most impactful and inspiring runs of hip-hop. Havoc was in disbelief. He said that he recorded another Mob Deep album with the producer The Alchemist, and he still has intention of releasing it. While that is yet to manifest, Havoc is still touring and releasing new music, honoring Prodigy and the music they made together. Prodigy's tragic loss is heartbreaking. Still, his spirit lives forever in the work he and Havoc created together. And their philosophy lives on in every rapper who's choosing to trust themselves, their art, and their instincts. Mob Deep's legacy is infamous. around to the crossroads of life, with to the death of you and me to speak for eternity. I'm going out to the fullest extent, so far into my troubles, it's hard for me to get back. To my everyday this piece was written by Martin Douglas and Dusty Henry. Audio was produced by Roddy Nickpour. I'm Larry Mizell Jr. We'll see you next time on 50 Years of Hip Hop from listener-powered KEXP, where the infamous music matters. Uh, hit it from the back. <laughs> Sorry, Mom.